Well, good morning to all of you. Normally we have uh, a little bumper video to kind of make a smooth transition and hide all the behind the scenes things. Uh, but today uh, we don't have that. And so it's just awkward and we're going to live in the awkward. That's where we're going to be. Uh, but hey, I, uh, I, it's so good to be here with you this morning. My name is Brian Dillon, and I am the campus minister over Taze Valley Campus, and I've had the privilege to be able to speak over here many times, and I always enjoy uh, being able to come over to St. Albans and, and share with you. Uh, Pastor Dave, he is, uh, they are, he is with a team down in Haiti, and uh, so this is our first opportunity to kind of have a team down there after the earthquake and kind of survey the damage and see uh, what's going on. Uh, thankfully, uh, they were able to get into Port-au-Prince, and everything was just fine at the airport, sounds like. They were able to get to Jeremy. Uh, things have been a little dicey lately with, uh, with our situation with Haiti and the United States, and so the situation at the airport's been a little dicey as well, uh, but the team was able to get through safely, and uh, they are now in Jeremy. So just be praying for them over the next week uh, as they're down there, and uh, we haven't had many opportunities to go to Haiti recently because of all the political unrest in their country, and um, just, is, just hasn't been that safe. And so we're thankful that uh, this team is able to be there and kind of see what's going on. We're thankful uh, for, for um, the faith of those that have gone and for the, the faith of the Haitian people there that I always love them because they've been dealt a, a bad hand in a lot of ways for a lot of years, yet their faith in Jesus remains the same. And uh, it's inspiring to me a lot of times that you know, I, I don't have to deal with half of what they deal with, and yet they still love Jesus so much. And so I'll just be in prayer for that team that's there this week and for uh, our people there and Premier Source and Jeremy uh, that, that they would continue on and be saved. So last week we finished up a series called Faith with Doubt, and I hope that you were able to either join us live or you were able to listen to the message this week if you missed it. Uh, because we talked about having a courageous faith. And that's important because a courageous faith is what is going to get us through when we are struggling with unanswered questions to our doubt and our faith. And there are going to be times that doubt begins to creep in. And in those times, you have to have a courageous faith to keep on pressing on towards Jesus. And as much as we tried to cover every angle, we went through eight weeks of talking about our faith with doubt. And we tried to cover a lot of different angles, uh, but you might still have walked out of that, with, with, uh, out of that series with questions or with doubts about your faith, things that you were hoping that we, were, we would address and maybe we didn't, or maybe we did address something that you're struggling with, yet you still walked out and you're like, I, I know, I know you talked about this, but I, I still, I'm still struggling with it. And so if that's you, I hope that you will have a courageous faith that says, even though I don't fully understand, even though I don't have all the answers, I still believe. And this week, we are kind of in between series. And next, so next week, we're going to be starting a, a new series titled Available, as in making yourself available to be used by God in a variety of ways. And I think our message this morning is going to do a good job, kind of be in the bridge between last week's series and now next week, and set us up for this new series, because we're going to be talking about being actively engaged, not only in the church, but in what, is, what God is building on this earth. So I hope all of you know just how important you are to the church, not just Gateway, but the overall church, like the bride of Christ. 
Because you are rubbing shoulders with people daily who need the hope of Jesus in their life. They need the love of Jesus in their life. And sometimes they just need a friend. And you know what? In some cases, you might be the only person capable of sharing any of those with them. God has specifically put them in your life for a reason. And that means that you are better set up to share Jesus with them than anybody else. More than me, more than Dave Stoffer. Heck, you're a better evangelist than the great Billy Graham to that one person. So don't think that you don't have enough to offer. Don't think that you don't know enough. Don't think that your faith isn't big enough. Because then you, you might be tempted just to hang out on the sidelines and let others do the work. And that, may, that mentality might lead to people missing out on hearing about Jesus. God has chosen you to be in that person's life for a reason. I told this story last week at, at our Taze Valley campus, but I wanted to share it all with you because of just how awesome it is. Some of you might know Becca Hall. The, the Halls have been a part of Gateway for a while now. They were out at camp for several years as well out of Howes Mill. Uh, and Michelle is our early childhood director here at the St. Albans campus. Uh, her daughter, Becca, had the opportunity to spend the summer in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, as part of the Crew Smoky Mountain Summer Mission Team. And a couple weeks ago, we received a letter in the mail from Becca and her team, kind of providing a recap for all that they did over the summer. And I was drawn to the story of one of her teammates, a girl named Danny, who, about sharing her faith with a stranger at work. So I wanted to share that story with you all this morning. Danny writes, A moment that stands out to me was when I was working as a ranger at Anakista. A man named Alex came to stand underneath my umbrella to shade himself from the sun. He stood there for a while before we started talking, but when we did, I found out that his wife had died in late March of this year. He confessed he would like to believe in God, but he could not because his wife did not get a second chance at life. And he asked me how bad things can happen to good and undeserving people. From that point, I got to share with Alex that since we are in a broken and sinful world, unfair and unjust things will happen. I got to share that since Jesus Christ died and rose for us, we have hope in knowing that we are saved for, from our sin and our brokenness. I shared with him that the Holy Spirit has been given to us to comfort and care so deeply, even in the sorrow. I poured into him that God has seen his heart, or his hurt and his sorrow and is right there with him in the grief. That each tear that he has shed over the death of his wife has been seen and felt by the God of the universe. He began to cry and just thank me for sharing that with him. And I thank God for encounters like the one I had with Alex because through obeying the Holy Spirit's prompting to talk with him, I've seen the reward so tangibly. And I love that story because that's an example of God putting somebody in this Danny's life, this man named Alex who's been hurting, perhaps goes through his, his everyday life and nobody knows the hurt that he's feeling. Nobody knows the pain that he's dealing with. Yet, because Danny chose to open a conversation with him, she was able to share Jesus with him and show him love. And friends, there might be people in your life every day that need to hear about Jesus just the way that Alex needed to hear from Danny that day. So you may not lead crowds of people to Jesus, but if you can bring people to Jesus one friendship at a time, that's still a really big impact. And there may be times where you are the, their only opportunity to ever hear the gospel. 
And so with that in mind, we're going to be looking at the book of 1 Peter this morning. So if you have your Bible with you, you can go ahead and flip over to 1 Peter chapter 2. And we're going to, you can park there. We're going to be coming back there in just a little bit uh, to read some verses from that chapter. Now, as you turn there, a couple of reminders of, about Peter, who is, of course, the author of the two letters, 1 and 2 Peter. This is the same Peter that we read about in the Gospels and from the early part of the book of Acts. This is the same Peter that walked on water, the, the same Peter that proclaimed the truth that Jesus said the church would be, would be built on, that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. It's also the same Peter who denied Jesus three times right before he was crucified. And that was probably the lowest point in Peter's life. But what a great story of redemption, though, that he would go on to be a great leader in the early church, paving the way for the gospel to spread all throughout the nations, not just to the Jews, but to the Gentiles as well. If, Peter, if it was today and Peter would have denied Jesus like that, man, he would have been canceled so fast and the Pharisees would have been on Twitter leading the charge, right? Well, did you see what this guy did? He denied Jesus. He denied the Messiah. Oh, man, this guy says he said he was best friends with him and then he denied him. Did you see that? Man, we got to get rid of this guy. We got we to make sure we got to be against this guy. Watch the video. <laughs> see, as much as people want to point fingers at the other team, I think we're all guilty. All, both sides are guilty of trying to cancel people over their mistakes, over one bad day. And yeah, there are a lot of rotten people out there, but I think we should let Peter be an example that canceling somebody over one bad day might keep them from reaching their awesome potential. So 1 Peter is a letter written by the Apostle Peter to, to groups of Gentile believers that were in the Roman Empire, what is now known as Turkey. And as we read through our passage today, and if you were to read through other parts of Peter's letter, it's important to remember that this letter was not written to a Jewish crowd. And Peter talks a lot about the elect and tells them that they have been set apart. And for a long time in the history of the world or in the Bible, that would, that would have been pertaining to the Israelites. The Israelites were God's people. They were God's nation. But because of Jesus, a Gentile can now be set apart by the Holy Spirit. And speaking for about 99% of us in the room this morning, boy, I thank God for that. So 1 Peter 1, chapter 2, starting in verse 4, Peter writes, As he come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you... You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. 
Peter here, he's quoting from the book of Isaiah and the book of Psalms, and he's declaring Jesus as the living stone, the capstone, the cornerstone, the foundation of what God is building. And it would do us all well to never forget that, that Jesus must be the cornerstone of our lives. Because when we get that wrong, everything else will always be out of alignment. Just like a building that is out of alignment with its cornerstone or its foundation, your life will be out of alignment when Jesus is not the cornerstone. And you can build a really nice life without him, and people will be like, man, what a nice life, what a great job she has, what a great, what, what great house he has, man, they, he's so successful, he, she's so good looking, all these things. You can build a really good life that looks really nice to people on the outside, but when it's not in alignment with Jesus, eventually it'll fall. Buildings have been built where people marvel at them daily. Wow, look how shiny it is. Look how big it is. Look how tall it is. But if you did that and the foundation's not right, or if you're not in alignment with the cornerstone, eventually it'll fall. And so it is with our life as well. And Peter reminds us that Jesus is the cornerstone of everything because that's the way that God drew it up. In this passage, we see that God is the ultimate architect. He's building a spiritual house, and Jesus, the living stone, is the first piece, the piece that brings everything else into alignment. When we, have, when we that have been set apart by the Holy Spirit come to him, we too become living stones, part of what God is building on this earth. And it really is an extension of God's amazing grace that he has allowed us to be a part of what he is building. But just like so much of our faith, it's only through Jesus that we can be used. I want you to take a look at this image that I have I've used uh, for our, our, our message today. Uh, I, I, if you've been around lately, this is becoming an increasingly big thing. Uh, when you go hiking or uh, when, you, when you're just out and about to do this rock stacking. And when I was looking at it this week, I found out this is actually called a rock cairn. Uh, if you've known that forever, forgive me. But uh, that is what I found out this week. And, and so I really feel like it's gained popularity recently. Like if you go hiking and you don't build a rock cairn, did you even go hiking at all? Uh, but we like to do that and put it on our Instagram, and people think that we hiked like you know, eight miles and we went a half mile. But it looked good on Instagram. So what I also found out this week, though, is that uh, scientists and environmentalists actually say not to do this because uh, it disturbs the hiding places and the homes of insects or different animals, and so uh, it just disturbs their ecosystem. And so what I'm here to tell you is uh, don't do that. But if you were going to go home today and try this, I want you to notice the first key to stacking these stones. And we've been talking a lot about buildings or houses or whatever, but the same principle that's true of a building or a house, the same as the stones, you have to start out with the right foundation. You have to start out with a stone that's wide enough or big enough or flat enough, otherwise the whole thing comes tumbling down. If you tried to build this stack, this cairn on this one stone here, well, I think we can all guess what would happen. It would come tumbling down. You wouldn't get very far, but because this has been built on the right foundation, on a wide, sturdy foundation, well, then the rest of the stones can be stacked on top of it. 
And so we can look at this tiny stone, we can look at it as if it was success, or if it were relationships, or if it was sports, or if it was politics, and we can try to build our life on a lot of things that are a shaky foundation. But just like our life, we need the right foundation, and that's Jesus. And so Jesus has to be the start and everything we do is living stones. Otherwise, whatever we're building, houses or, st- or cairns or anything that you want to build with stones, it all come crashing down. And God knew that, and that's why he G- made Jesus the capstone in his blueprint. But God has also inclu- included the followers of Jesus. He's included us in his blueprint, what he's trying to build, the living stones, as part of his plan. Because he knows that that's the best plan for what he's trying to build. And yeah, God, maybe he, he could have used another plan. He could have gone with other material. Sometimes I don't understand why he's doing it, right? But what God knew is that using us would be like building a brick house instead of using sticks and hay. And you ever thought about how awesome that really is? That the God of the universe chose you to be a part of his plan, that each one of us has been uniquely gifted to be a part of what God is building. See, we've all been selected to be a living stone in the spiritual house that God is building on this earth. And here's the thing, God considered the cost of his building materials ahead of time, and he decided that you were worth it. In Luke 14, 28, Jesus says, he's he's talking in parables, and he tells about the cost of following him. And he, he says that a man building a tower will first sit down and estimate the cost to ensure he has enough money. Now, if you've ever built anything, you know that that's a, that's a wise practice, especially in today's crazy world. Uh, if you don't estimate the cost, well, then you might uh, be in trouble because the cost of building materials is crazy. And so if we could go by your house and we see that your privacy fence is only half done, we're going to laugh at you because we're going to know that you didn't estimate the cost before you got into the project. So if Jesus says that we should be counting the cost of following him, well, you know that God knew the cost that you would take to be a part of his building materials. He knew the cost for him to be able to use you to build his spiritual house. In fact, in 1 Peter 1.20, Peter says that this was God's plan for the beginning of time, that Jesus would pay your ransom so that you could be a living stone used by God. You could be a part of what God is building. And God loves you so much that he was willing to pay the price of his one and only son, Jesus, for you. So your sins would be forgiven. And you could be used as a living stone. And so if we're all living stones, like Peter says here, well, what does that look like? Well, first it means that our faith is living and active. We are not merely dead rocks along the side of the road. We are living stones. Paul says we are, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And so certainly salvation and forgiveness, they are available to all through faith alone. Good works or good deeds are not required for you to be saved or for you to be loved by God. But I've yet to read anywhere in the Bible where giving your life to Jesus is the finish line. Last week, we we went through the Great Commission. 
This week we are called to be living stones. It's clear that when we have a life with Christ, when we have a relationship with Christ, we are meant to be actively loving God. We are meant to be actively loving people. We're meant to be actively making disciples of all nations. Peter says in 1 Peter 4, 7, Since we are approaching the end of all things, be intentional, purposeful, and self-controlled so that you can be given to prayer. And so this morning, I want to look at three things here from 1 Peter about what it looks like to be a living stone. And the first is that we need to act with urgency. Peter says we are approaching the end of all things. Now, clearly, didn't, maybe it didn't come as soon as he thought it would, but he, acted, he was acting with urgency. And I don't know where you stand on how close we are to Jesus coming back. I understand that there are things happening in our world today that maybe they're indicators and maybe they're not. But what I also know is that if you feel like you've got it figured out, then that's not it. Because Jesus said we wouldn't know. And regardless of when Jesus is returning, his return should not cause anxiety or fear within us. It should cause a sense of urgency in us to seek and save the lost. As a Christ follower, as a living stone, the only time that is running out is the time left to tell others about Jesus before it's too late. Because the truth is that tomorrow is not promised for any of us. Whether it's Jesus returning or a tragedy looming, we, we don't know when our last chance will be to share Jesus with that family member or that friend or that coworker. And I'm not trying to be an alarmist. I'm not trying to scare you into share the gospel. But that's the truth, right? We don't like to think about it. But tomorrow truly is not promised for anyone. And because we don't like to think about it, we tend to put it off a day at a time. Oh, I'll get to it tomorrow. I'll get to it tomorrow. I don't want to do it today. I'll do it tomorrow. But eventually it will be too late. And it doesn't have to be because somebody dies or because Jesus returns. People move away. People change jobs. The soccer season ends. Friendships change. It can be too late simply because of the ebbs and flows of life. And so let's act with urgency and share Jesus with somebody who is in our life today. Last week we saw where Jesus said he made that incredible promise that he would be with us on our journey all the way until the end of the age. And so we've been given this great commission by Jesus to make disciples of all nations, but we know that he'll be with us until the end, whenever the end is. So no matter where you stand on whether the end times are coming soon or not, his promise doesn't have an expiration date. And so as living stones, we need to be working hard to make disciples right up until the end of our journey, whenever that will be. Number two, we need to be intentional and purposeful. As living stones, we need to be intentional and in loving others and sharing Jesus with them. Think about the people in your life right now, those that you're around every day, those that you share a common interest with or a common bond with. As you think about those people, are any of them non-Christians? Do you have any non-Christians in your life that you are close enough to share Jesus with? If you do, then start praying that God will soften their heart and provide opportunities for you to share the gospel with them. Invite the Holy Spirit in so you can share the gospel. And if you don't, 
then start praying that God will put somebody in your life that you can share the gospel with. Because if we only stay, if we only stay in walled off Christian circles, then how is anybody ever going to share the gospel? How are they, how are they ever going to know about Jesus if we're not going out to share it with them? And friends, this doesn't have to be difficult either. Most of us have friends, which means that most of us know how to make friends. God has created us to be a relational people, so let's just be relational. In Genesis 2.18, God says it is not good for man to be alone. So let's go and make friends and, and put people in our lives. And when we're relational, it opens opportunities to share Jesus with people that would not be available otherwise. Because the people you are close with are going to trust the gospel more coming from you than they would a complete stranger, like a pastor. See, this is a truth that multi-level marketing companies like Mary Kay or Avon or Plexus or pick your poison. But they've been built on this concept for years. See, these companies know that people are more willing to buy from somebody that they know, somebody that they trust. In fact, they're probably willing to buy more product from somebody that they know. It's also similar to like when you go on Amazon to buy something, right? Are you watching the product video put out by the company or are you going to the reviews? If you're like me, I'm always looking at the customer reviews. Now, sometimes those get uh, infiltrated as well, but I'm always looking to see what do the real people have to say about this product? People that aren't paid to advertise this. What do people say about this? And even more so, if a friend tells me that something, something worked, okay, right? I'm willing to trust it even more. Most people are going to trust the word over a friend, over a TV commercial any day of the week. And so when it comes to sharing Jesus with people, you are the friend and I am the commercial. Because I get paid to talk about Jesus. And so there's some distrust there. Of course you're going to say that. You, you get paid to stand up there. Of course you're going to try to share Jesus with me. You get paid to do that. But you, nah, you're merely somebody that has seen the power of Jesus working in your life. and You want to share that with the people that you love and care about. You want them to have that too. And so be intentional and purposeful in your relationships, even if that means making friends with non-Christians just so one day you can share Jesus with them. Have the end goal in mind that I want them to come to Jesus. And you don't have to be weird or sneaky about it. You don't have to make them feel like they're a project. Just be their friend. I, I, we know how to make friends, so just be their friend. But at the same time, let them know how much Jesus has impacted your life, how big of a, a fan of Jesus you are. We do this with sports teams all the time, right? Most people, if you're close with them, they know that you're a Marshall fan, a WVU fan, right? And they, they accept you for it. <laughs> but they, they know that that's a big part of your life. And you can be friends, whether maybe they're, you, they're a fan of a rival, right? But they still, they're still your friend. They, st they still might know that one day you're going to try to convert them over to be a WVU fan. And they're okay with that, right? Let it be the same with Jesus. Let people know, man, I'm a big fan of Jesus. He has changed my life forever. And you know what? One day, it'd be really cool if you felt that as well. It'd be really cool if you came to Jesus. But if that's not today, man, I just want to be your friend. Let them know up front how important Jesus is in your life and how important you think it would be for them to have Jesus in their life. And then share when the, when the Holy Spirit provides the opportunity. Number three, what it looks like to be a living stone. We need to be loving and compassionate to all. 
Peter says in chapter 4, verses 8 and 9, above all, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. And as Christ followers, there's no getting around that we have been called to love others first and foremost. Peter says it here. Paul says that love is above all the other things, all the other fruits of the Spirit. Above all, it's clear that love is number one. And the truth is that if you're not loving others, well, then you're not following Christ. And that's not me. That's the Apostle John. And so Peter says to love one another deeply and offer hospitality without grumbling. Jesus says in Matthew 25 that when we offer hospitality to the least among us, that's when we're doing it for him. And so as living stones, let us be known by how we love one another, by the compassion that we have for others. Because if Jesus was God in flesh, then the ways of Jesus are also the ways of God. And so Jesus loved, especially those that nobody else loved. He had compassion for others, especially those that were forgotten by society. And he sacrificed, and he put others above himself. And so if we are living stones in the kingdom of God that he, that, that he is building, that kingdom is going to be a kingdom of loving others, because God is love. Let us not be confused like the Pharisees were, that his kingdom is one of earthly dominance. Because when Jesus was here, he made himself the least, and he told us to make us, ourselves the least as well. Instead, Peter says that as living stones, we have been called to be loving and compassionate. Check out chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. Peter says, finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. As living stones, let our lives be defined by the way that we love, the compassion that we show others, and the humility that we live with every day. So friends, as we finish up this morning, it's time to stop relying on a pastor or a church staff to do the work of spreading the gospel. We're still going to be here. The church is not going anywhere. But we have all been called to be living stones, to make disciples. And so it's time for us to stop being dead rocks and instead be living stones to do the good works that you have been created to do. This is why you have been saved, to be a part of what God is building, the spiritual house that he's building. This morning, I want to close with the rereading of 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. This time from the Passion Translation. I was introduced to this a couple weeks ago, and, and I just really enjoy it. So I want you to listen to what Peter says here in that translation. But you are God's chosen treasure, Priests who are kings, a spiritual nation set apart as God's devoted ones. He called you out of darkness to experience his marvelous light, and now he claims you as his very own. He did this. He did this so that you would broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the world. We've all been called out 
of darkness into the marvelous light of Jesus. He went to the cross for each one of us to forgive our sins and to give us hope, but he also went to the cross so that we would spread his glorious wonders to the world. When we accepted Christ, it was not the finish line. It was a handing over of the baton. It's your turn now. I brought you, I got you to this point. Now I want you to spread the news of me to the world. Friends, we have all been set apart. We are all God's people. We've all been chosen to be a living stone in his kingdom. Now what are we going to do with it? Let's pray. Father, we, we cannot thank you enough for the immense love that you have for each one of us. That you would send your one and only son, Jesus, to, to, to go to the cross for us. We're just in awe that he would do, he knew this was the plan from the beginning and he still came for us. That all of our sins would be washed away that he would go to the tomb but would not stay there so that we could have a hope that extends beyond this world. That Jesus overcame the world so that we could spend eternity with you. But Father, I pray that this morning we would hear this truth that we are meant to be living stones. That we, you have saved us. You sent your son Jesus to save us not so that we could just rest in our salvation but that we could share it with others. There are so many people in our world every day, not halfway across the world, people that we are with every day that need to hear the truth of Jesus Christ, that need the love of Jesus, that need the hope of Jesus, especially in this world. This world is so crazy, it's so evil, it's so dark, and we're holding on to the light. And so, Father, I pray that this morning we would leave with a boldness that we would ask the Holy Spirit into our lives to point us in the right direction, to give us the words, to give us the opportunities to share with others, that we would be living stones to the people in our lives. Father, we thank you so much for your love and for your grace that allows us to be even be a part of what you're doing. I don't understand it sometimes, but I'm so thankful that we're part of your plan. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.